Shock Monkey Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect upon the sponsors or FXBG Public Radio. For additional information, please refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Stand warned. Hello and welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. Have you fixed that thing with the audio? Okay. If not, I'll have to fix it and fix it and post later. It happens. So welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. I am your host, the Madman. And uh, I was scratching my uh, ball bag the other day and I found a zit. A zit on my ball bag. And I tell you, I, I had to pop it. You know how zits go. I had to pop it and I was not prepared. I was in a chair with no arms and it kind of like... Ugh, took all the energy out of me because, I mean, it like shot straight up my spine. So I got to tell you, I don't know if it's just because of the older I get is like, when you pop those zits on your ball bag, it, whew, it shoots through your nervous system. I swear to God. Anyway, sorry to, sorry to gross you out right off the bat, but uh, it might be a short show today, you know, fighting that depression. Uh, but it helps that Steven Crowder is back. So best wishes to him with his knee and heart issues. And congratulations to his wife being pregnant with twins. Hopefully one doesn't absorb the other. If you do your science stuff, sorry. I also want to say rest in peace, Screech. Uh, Dustin Diamond died. And um, I I think I'm of that generation, that Saved by the Bell generation. And I was smart enough during the Saved by the Bell, Bell days to know that Zach Morris is trash even back then. And poor Screech, you know, he was the, the character I identified with the most on that show because everyone else is just a, a caricature in many ways. And even, even Screech in many ways was a caricature. And, you know, he really, uh, he's part of uh, the kind of culture that I grew up on. And it's a shame he, is, he lost his battle to cancer. Was that today, this morning? I think it was this morning. So thoughts and prayers go out to the Dusted Diamond family. Uh, one more thing, I want to remind you that I have a Patreon. Go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. Uh, I would appreciate it. Also, you can send me money through Cash App. Use the cash tag shockmonkeyradio. Uh, all one word. I would appreciate it. And I'm thinking about doing a comic giveaway uh, every month. I'll pick like a random uh, random book out uh, of of my collection, and I'll send it to you. I'll send it to somebody who's a patron or somebody who sent me at least a dollar on uh, Cash App. So if you send me a, a dollar on Cash App, for every dollar you send me, you'll get one entry into the drawing. And if you're a patron, you get three entries into the drawing. So patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio, become a patron, or send me money through Cash App. Use hashtag shockmonkeyradio. I think maybe next week I'll bring a book, uh, just do uh, a comic book to show you and say this will be the, like the first one I give away. But if you send me uh, cash and Cash App, you tell, tell me like what comic book characters you like. Uh, or prefer and stuff like that. Maybe that'll be the one I'll send, or uh, or whatever. So just uh, just a little incentive for you guys to uh, help me out here, keep things, keep the lights on here. So it seems that we've had our first official snowfall here in the Mid Atlantic region this past weekend, and for some reason it reminds me of being a kid in upstate New York. See, up in Lake Placid, winter lasted from October to May, and we frequently got like two feet two feet of snow. And I'm surprised my father survived all those times shoveling that much snow. Sure, I helped from time to time, but mostly it was my dad shoveling out the driveways early in the mornings. Sometimes it would snow hard for a couple days, and at some point on the third night, it got too cold to snow, and it dropped below freezing. And you'd come out the next day, and you'd find the top layer of snow frozen into the ice. 
yet underneath was the powdery snow. So my sister and I would dig tunnels below the sheet of ice like a couple of very lost Viet Cong. And making uh, forts out of snow was nothing new for us. We had a neighbor who worked for a nearby creamery, and we had a ton of milk crates. So as kids, the, uh, with more snow days than anyone should have, we would clear a section of our yard down to the ground, then start packing milk crates full of snow to make bricks as units, as the unit to build to, with which to make our snow castle. Uh, friendly tip, get a spray bottle full of water and go and spray down your snow fort at dusk and awaken to your new, newly reinforced ice castle. I got the idea when we went to the Saranac Lake Winter Festival where they would cut ice blocks out of the lake and uh, build real ice castle and light it up at night. It was super cool. Well, super cool for a place where all the winters outweigh the summers. After all, Lake Placid and abouts is the kind of place where people start wearing shorts at around 60 to 65 degrees. It's nuts. But places like that, their culture develops around the climate that they live in, and uh, moderate dusting like we had this past Sunday wouldn't be enough to cancel school over. That was the place where people kept chains on their tires year-round, mostly because of the snow, but also because of the mud that remained when the snow was gone. I remember large piles of snow plowed up against one remote light lamp post in the shopping center parking lots in May, and you'd always find a couple of kids playing in the mostly dirt snow. I think once I saw such a pile survive all the way until the next winter. Wild, right? I was a kid, though. I could be wrong. And as you may know, Lake Placid, New York, was the site of the 1932 and 1980 Winter Olympics. And after having lived there, it makes sense. So in Lake Placid, we had the whole Olympic Village complex remaining. And we had the speed skating rink, we had ski jumps, bobsled tracks, the works. So, the, uh, so there were plenty of things to do during the winter up there. Summers were not bad either. I would spend my summers down at Mirror Lake either fishing or swimming. It's a joke in my family that I would frequently bring back a couple of fish in a bucket and leave them to die in the garage because I didn't eat fish, because I don't eat fish, <laughs> but I felt some compulsion to present, uh, present the fish to my family uh, anyway like a house cat. I, would have, I have a lot of fond memories of that place, wading in the shallow waters chasing crayfish, as we called them up there. In the south, you call them crawfish or crawdads. But I would, I would be laughing my head off because they always swim backwards. I love watching them bump into stuff. Stupid crayfish. Life in a northern town. Hey, mama. Anyway, those were the last days of my innocence before I moved down to Georgia and lost my innocence and my enchantment with the world. But that's a story from it for another day. When I was up there, we went down to a bog once. And uh, it was pretty cool. It's where the forest floor had grown over this body of water and so it was like a giant hippie waterbed it's pretty damn cool you ever seen one of those things they're pretty awesome i need a little wet my whistle here mm. how come darth vader did not recognize c-3po in the empire strikes back granted he had little contact with that annoying droid but he should have recognized his own creation you could argue that there are a lot of protocol droids but how many are that annoying? You see other protocol droids throughout the movies, but, the only, uh, but only one is as vocal and chatty as C-3PO, and even in the carbonite chamber scene, C-3PO is yap, yap, yapping away, while even in pieces. You'd think Anakin, Anakin would have noticed that he had been, and have been a little pissed that a droid that he made is helping the rebels. Of course, one could argue that this is the reason why 3PO was shot by the stormtroopers smoking and joking in Cloud City. 
that Vader put a hit on the droid, and Chewie was lucky and compassionate enough to rescue 3PO from the garbage. And the first thing he does is attach the head, which is connected to C-3PO's mouth. Bad Chewbacca. Bad. That's why you have to carry him around, Chewbacca. But Vader should have recognized C-3PO. And it's just more reason why episodes 1 through 3 sucked. (laughs) But they're starting to grow on me as each new Star Wars movie comes out. I was thinking about, what if Luke took C-3PO to Dagobah instead of R2-D2? Wouldn't that whole segment with Yoga Yoda been even more annoying with C-3PO spouting off comments all the time? Oh, Master Luke, I've gotten gut mud in all my gears. Oh, woe is me. I'm made to suffer. Or some, you know, take some antidepressant C-3PO. Oh, Master Luke, I don't trust this Yoda character. Master Luke, are you the one lifting that rock? Shut up, C-3PO. In fact, I'm sure that most characters in Star Wars are telling C-3PO to shut up quite frequently. But the problem is that if 3PO went, to, went with Luke, that means R2 would have went with Han and Leia on the Falcon, and with R2 there as an astromech droid, he would have been able to repair the hyperdrive on the Millennium Falcon and made good their escape from the Star Destroyers, and therefore saving everybody. But without an astromech droid navigating the X-Wing, Luke would be forced to find Dagobah by the smell. I don't know. I guess it just seems to me that C-3PO is the most useless droid in the galaxy, and I wonder why Anakin ever made him, much less kept him functional for all those years. He should have let his mother sell C-3PO. And I love how C-3PO got indignant when a slave tells him that there's a possibility of him being sold. The hubris of C-3PO. But wait. Maybe Vader knew C-3PO and didn't recognize him and knew and, and knew C-3PO wouldn't recognize him because of the whole Vader get-up. And he just figured, hey, this is my out. <laughs> Anakin, Anakin knew what C-3PO was. Oh, they were using C-3PO. No wonder I caught them so easily. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> so there's all these people walking around with masks. And I feel like Cobra has taken over America. All these people look like Cobra Troopers. They're later called Vipers. The old school ri- originals, if you, if you remember. I half expect Biden to come walking out one day dressed as Serpentor, and after every executive order, he shouts, This I command! But we all know that Dr. Mindbender, Xavier Becerra, is really controlling him. Lloyd Austin comes out wearing a silver biotech helmet with a 70s disco-inspired body armor like Destro. Kamala Harris, dressed as the Baroness. Well, think about that. Kamala Harris, dressed as the Baroness. Might be worth it. Anyway, standing by for orders, General Hawk. If you could send Roadblock, CoverGirl, Sci-Fi, Stalker, and Snake Eyes, we can handle this, no problem. Like I said, it's going to be a short show today. And uh, we're going to get into the news worth knowing here in a second. But uh, I want to do one thing for you. Uh, because it seems a lot of people have been confused lately about what's been going on in the stock markets. Now, the only thing hotter than GameStop stock is uh, patronage at patreon.com slash radio. But there's a lot of people who don't really understand what happened, and so I've found a way to explain it to people in a way that they can understand. So here it is. The Madman explains the GameStop stock thing. In a small American town, Percy gets a pound of marijuana. And he breaks it up and starts selling to people by the ounce. His friend, Abner, asks to borrow an ounce and will give him an ounce of weed in two weeks. Abner 
takes his ounce and goes to another drug dealer and trades him for an equal cash value of cocaine based upon current market value. Abner, as he always does, steps all over the coke, adding baby laxative and, uh, just so he can sell more and make more money. And everyone in town knows this about Abner because that, that is how Abner rolls. And they also know he borrowed the ounce from Percy and owes him the ounce in two weeks. So over the next two weeks, a few people in town start paying ridiculous prices for weed in order to get it off people's hands, and then they start giving away joints to anybody on the street who wants it. Because fuck Abner. Two weeks pass, and Abner made his money back plus some, but the price for weed on the streets has skyrocketed, and Abner has to try to piece together an ounce from $80 grams here and there just to pay back Percy. Percy doesn't want cash. He wants his ounce of weed back because it's been six, it'll be six weeks before he gets another pound. Abner is pissed that he lost money on this series of events and cause, calls his uncle, who works for the family, and the bruiser known as Tevye comes down to and work over the guys who are giving away joints and telling them that they can no longer buy weed, they can only sell it. At least, that's how it is explained to me. I won't say by whom, and we both could be wrong. Anyway, let's go ahead and get to the news worth knowing. All right. Bad news, bad news. Fighting that depression. Uh, two FBI agents dead. Others injured in Florida shooting while serving a warrant. Uh, so two FBI agents were killed Tuesday morning and three others were wounded while trying to serve a search warrant at a, at a home in Sunrise, Florida in a child pornography case, the FBI confirmed to Fox News. The suspect is also dead. Uh, the incident unfolded about 6 a.m. in the vicinity of uh, 10100 Reflections Boulevard in Sunrise, California, uh, Sunrise, Florida. Excuse me. Two of the wounded, wounded agents were transported to a hospital and are in stable condition, the FBI said. The names of the deceased will not be released at this time. The Sunrise Police Department said that residents in the neighborhood along Knob Hill Road between Northwest 44th Street and West Oakland Park Boulevard uh, were asked to remain in, the, in their homes and were unable to leave their communities due to the traffic shutdown on Knob Hill Road. Uh, shortly before 10 a.m., the department sent an alert to all residents that there was no danger to the public and there will be a large police presence in the area throughout the day. Uh, multiple law enforcement agencies descended on the scene where the subject was reported to be barricaded in their home, and officers of the Sunrise Police Department, Miramar SWAT Team, Davies Police Department, and Fort Lauderdale Police Department were all on site. A spokesperson for the Fort Lauderdale Police Department told Fox News that they were sending in a small SWAT contingency in, to assist the ongoing situation. The shooting incident is under investigation by the uh, FBI's Inspection Division, which is part of the department's policy. Quote, the review process is thorough and objective and conducted as expeditiously as possible under the circumstances, the FBI spokesman, spokesperson told Fox News in a statement. The FBI Agents Association, President Brian O'Hare, uh, released a statement Tuesday afternoon after the violence occurred. Quote, the FBI, agents, uh, the FBI Agents Association mourns the loss of the two special agents killed in the line of duty today. Our thoughts and prayers are out with the families of the agents uh, and the agents who are wounded in today's incident, he said. These agents were working to protect the most valuable, most vulnerable in our society. And uh, we stand with the agents' families and pledge our support to them during this difficult time. So I just wanted to bum you out real quick. But you know what? This is, this is the, the duty that these FBI agents take on, that police take on. This is what they do. Child pornography, you know, people exploiting children. You know, you want to see it say defund the police. It's like, don't you need somebody going after people like that? You know, with legal means. 
You know, if guys barricade in the house and start shooting, I mean, you're going to start hitting people. You know, you bet they're a sweet bippy, they're going to be shooting back. It's a shame. It's a shame that the federal officers died. I, I don't care so much about the <laughs> suspect. But, I mean, uh, he should, you know, had his day in court. It shouldn't ha- end up like that. But, you know, if you know you're guilty, you know, some people just say, screw it. Go out in a rampage, I suppose. What can you do about it? What, what can you do about that, anyway? <clears throat> All right, next story. Uh, Biden White House under fire for reportedly screening briefing questions. (laughs) A new uh, eyebrow-raising report suggests the White House uh, communications team has attempted to screen questions for Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Is that her name? Psaki? In advance of daily briefings. As media watchdogs caution that Biden's team uh, will have to walk a fine line given the way reporters treated uh, President Trump's spokespeople. Uh, Spectator USA uh, editor Amber Athey, who used to be a White White House correspondent for the Daily Caller, never experienced anything resembling what Biden's communication staff has been accused of. Quote, the Trump administration certainly never asked me for questions in advance, and I suspect that there would have been universal outrage from reporters if they had done so, Athey told Fox News. That's true. Uh, reporters have uh, reportedly gotten fr- uh, so frustrated by the practice that they have complained to their colleagues. Quote, this is totally normal procedure if you live in, the ban- in a banana republic. It's absolutely unheard of in this country, conservative strategist Chris Barron told Fox News. Uh, when reach, excuse me, when reached for comment, the White House spokesperson uh, provided Fox News with the same statement from the Daily Beast report. Quote, our goal is to make the daily briefing as useful and informative as possible for both reporters and the public. Part of meeting that objective means regularly engaging with the reporters uh, who will be in the briefing room to understand how the White House can most be helpful to them, most be helpful in getting them the information they need. That that two-way conversation is an important part of the American people updated about how the government is serving them, the White House spokesperson said. Saki, a former CNN pundit who is typically praised by the mainstream media, needs to tread lightly if she's probing uh, reporters uh, for the wrong reasons, according to DePaul University, <laughs> D, they misspelled DePaul, D-E-P-A-U-W. <laughs> Editors, please. According to DePaul University uh, professor and media critic Jeff, Jeffrey McCall, quote, the White, the White House press office needs to maintain a balance, uh, needs to balance this matter carefully. It does make sense on one level for the press secretary to be prepared in advance to best respond to topics on reporters' minds. On the other hand, gathering questions in advance could well appear to uh, veteran reporters at, that the press secretary, Saki, is pre-screening questions or pre-preparing the spin, McCall told Fox News. Quote, every press briefing is a uh, risk situation for the White House, and Saki should indeed want to be responsive and prepared for the reporters' questions. The key here, it seems, is whether this process is being used to stage the briefings or simply prepare for them. McCall feels it would be excusable if reporters are asked questions in advance merely as a way to get a heads up and gather information in advance for the purpose of providing responsive answers. So here's the thing. It's like um, uh, people are, are noticing this double standard. They're noticing this double standard when it comes to uh, the uh, Biden administration as opposed to the Trump administration, the way that the press treats them. And, it's, and when it comes to uh, Jen Psaki, uh, you could see how she's like straight up colluding with the press and the press is clearly working for the democratic party. And, and people are seeing this, people are seeing that, 
You know, it, and it's blatant. It's blatant if Jen Psaki says, it's like, hey, give me the questions you're going to give me so I can get the perfect response to it. Kaylee McEnany, I mean, she was like super organized and just like in, if, never asked them, you know, ahead of time what questions they're going to ask. She had all of her stuff ready to go to get, respond to those answers like a normal person was. You know, Jen Psaki, if you ask me, she's cheating. If she's emailing these people, say, what kind of questions are you going to ask me? You are not properly prepared. You are not properly qualified to be a press secretary. You need to be able to have these answers ready to go, like Kaylee McEnany did. No matter who the president is, no matter who you're speaking for, you need to be prepared to do your job. There's no cheat sheet, okay? You can't write the press as like, hey, can you make my job easier by giving me the answers ahead of time? No matter how you feel about Biden, no matter how you feel about Trump, you know, do your job. Do your job. It's not hard. <laughs> Pay attention to the news. What are people going to, what kind of questions are people going to ask? If, you, if you're good at your job, you can anticipate this kind of stuff. Instead, you're emailing them directly and say, what, what answers do I need to fill out on the questionnaire? Anyway, but the double standard is obvious. I think most sane Americans can see it. Anyway, let's go on to another bummer of a story. Oklahoma shooting leaves six dead, including five small children. Six people, including five small children, died and a, uh, and a second adult was injured Tuesday after a gunman opened fire at an Oklahoma home, police said. A, KF, a KFOR reporter, citing family members, said that five children fatally shot were ages two, three, five, six, and nine. <sighs> Police received a 911 call at approximately 1.30 a.m. Uh, for a report of a multiple people shot at a home at Indiana Street in Muskogee. Uh, yeah, Muskogee, which is located roughly 45 miles southeast of Tulsa, uh, local Fox 23 News reported. Police responded to find the suspect carrying a gun. At some point during the encounter, an officer shot his service rifle one time, but missed a suspect who fled from the area, the outlet reported. Hold on a second. Okay, yeah, okay, if there's, if there's like known gun at the scene, they're probably pulling their rifle out as soon as they get to the scene. Okay, uh, police later took the suspect, identified as Jaron Dijon Pridgen, into custody. Sorry for if I screwed up that name, sir, you deserve that respect, respect at least. Uh, officers at the scene found one man and four children dead. A fifth child was rushed to a Tulsa hospital, uh, but could not be saved, police said. Um, a woman who was shot and wounded, but is, is, uh, but was in stable condition Tuesday afternoon, police said. Wow. That's a horrible writing. Authorities have not released the victim's names. Uh, Muskogee police officer Lynn Hamlin, Hamlin, uh, described the slain use as small children. She said authorities don't yet have a motive, but they don't believe any other subjects, suspects are involved. Uh, quote, we don't believe it's random, uh, but we just don't have the details yet of what, why or what happened, Hamlin said. Hamlin says suspects and victims all lived in the home, but the exact nature of their relationships had not been determined. Quote, it's not random, and obviously because uh, they all did live in the home together, but as far as what the relationships look like, we don't know that yet, she said. Uh, and she said Pridgen was not cooperating with investigators. It's not immediately clear if he had an attorney that could speak on his behalf. Yes, even a murdering child asshole like this, child murdering asshole like this deserves legal representation. And deserves his day in court. And hopefully they'll lock him up and throw away the key. You know. Possibly even. Was this, uh, Oklahoma. Yeah. He may get the death penalty. Good. You know. I'm, 
On a story like that, I'm pro-death penalty. On a day like today, I'm pro-death penalty. <laughs> Ask me again tomorrow. Who knows? My, my opinion might change. Anyway, fighting that depression. All right, let's talk about these lazy, spoiled bitches in, in this public school system. All right, so Chicago Public Schools backs down on threat of locking teachers out while union says it's winning. Uh, Chicago Public Schools has backed down on its threat to lock K-8 through teachers out of their remote learning tools if they fail to show up at its facilities this week to prepare for the return of in-person classes. The withdrawal was an announcement of a joint statement issued Monday night by Mayor Lori Lightfoot and the CPS CEO uh, Janice Jackson and for now appears to have a potential strike from the Chicago Teachers Union. Both sides are in dispute over how to reopen schools safely during the coronavirus pandemic. The union previously threatened that its members would picket if they were denied access to programs that they have been using to instruct, uh, instruct students remotely. Quote, we have reached another important milestone today in our effort to provide in-person learning for our students to, in the Chicago public school system. Uh, we have secured agreement from one, on one uh, other open issue and made substantial progress on a framework that we, uh, we hope will address the remaining issues, the statement said. We are calling for a 48-hour cooling-off period that will hopefully lead to a final resolution on all open issues. Quote, as a result of the progress we have made and as a gesture of good faith for now, Teachers will re, uh, retain access to their Google Suite, it added. Students will remain virtual Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, and we'll update CPS uh, school community as there are further develop developments. The district previously had planned on resuming in-person class classes for K-8 students on Monday. The statement didn't elaborate on what open issue was resolved, but both in the district and the union are still negotiating over the teachers' vaccinations, uh, a health metric to determine when the schools could, clo uh, could close again if coronavirus cases rise. A testing program for staff and facility are working from home arrangements, according to the C uh, Chicago Sun-Times. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, teacher Union President Jesse Starkey, in a message to its members, hailed the school's decision to stand down on its threat of locking out teachers. Quote, we are not currently locked out because of your unity, uh, your commitment to your school communities, and your fearless solidarity, he said. We are literally working to steer CPS to a more responsible path to reopen schools safely, and we are winning, he said. We want to keep working remotely as uh, we bargain in an agreement to return to our classrooms safely. Now, uh, there's a lot of horrible things I could say. I'm done with the article. This is my opinion now. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of horrible things I could say about teachers' unions. I really don't like them because they are only interested in serving themselves. They're not interested in making education better for your kids. And when uh, this whole lockdown thing happened, they loved it. They loved starting to drink wine at you know, 11 o'clock in the morning while they're teaching your kids. All right? They don't want to get out of their jammies any more than your kids want to get out of their jammies. All right? But we need to, we need to get, get to work. You know, we need to get to work. We need to reopen the schools. We need to reopen everything and get going. All right? These kids need an education, and they're not getting an education through this remote learning nonsense. You know? And everyone who, who, has, uh, who has kids in these remote learning things, they know it's, it's just it's farting around. It's farting around. And it's not an education. Certainly not educating your kids. And these, kids, these teachers are lazy. They want, they want to sit on their butt and collect their paychecks at home. All right? Anything to minimize their work. Because, you know, because the press is always going to claim, like, what heroes teachers are. Oh, they're such heroes. You know, and, and they're fucking students more than priests are fucking little boys. All right? So, you know, get out of here with that nonsense. I don't think that they're heroes. They're doing what should be done, and they should do it right. They have no respect for the position itself. They're just looking out for their own asses. <clears throat> They're making me mad. They're making me mad. So, 
Like I said, short show today, and I got two more stories I want to talk about to lighten the mood and help me cheer myself up, hopefully cheer you up as well. Uh, San Francisco teacher says Bernie San- <laughs> says Bernie Sanders mitten- mittens epitomized white male privilege. Now, I'm sure you've been around the internet at some point in the past week, past couple weeks, since the inauguration, and the Bernie memes. The Bernie memes are everywhere. Everyone's seen them. Anyway, so this high school teacher says that this, uh, this picture of him with his mittens, it shows white male privilege. Okay. So a uh, San Francisco high school teacher is taking heat for saying that Bernie Sanders uh, displayed white privilege when he attended Joe, uh, uh, President Biden's inauguration in a casual coat and mittens and cap- captured the attention of the Internet. Quote, Senator San- Sanders is no white supremacist insurrectionist. Wow, there's a lot of ists right there. Uh, but he manifests privilege, white privilege, male privilege, and class privilege in ways <laughs> that my students could see and feel. Ingrid Sayer-Ochi, a former UC Berkeley professor, wrote an op-ed for the San Francisco Chronicle. <laughs> of course she is. <laughs> That's exactly where I expect this kind of co- uh, comment to come from. Uh, social media users found a photo of Sanders, 79, looking cold and grumpy at the inauguration. So funny that it circulated for days, making jokes and memes. Uh, and so Sayer Ochi wrote that she was puzzled and fumed over this. <laughs> really? Really, lady? Uh, quote, we, we talked about gender and the possible meanings of the attire chosen by Vice President Kamala Harris, Dr. Jill Biden, the Biden grandchildren, Michelle Obama, Amanda Gorman, and others. We referenced female warriors ins- inspiring these women. Jeez Louise. The colors of their educational degrees and the monochromatic ensembles of pure power. Sarah Ochi wrote, referring to her students. Jeez Louise. What a horrible person this, this is. Quote, and there, across from all our news and social media feeds, was Bernie. Bernie memes. Bernie sweatshirts. Endless love for Bernie. I puzzled and fumed as an individual as I strove to, uh, to be my best possible teacher. Uh, she continued, I don't know many poor or working class or family or female or str- are struggling to be taken seriously folk who would show up at the inauguration of our 40- 46th president dressed like Bernie, unless those same folk had privilege, which they don't. Aren't you kind of reaching here, lady? Anyway, Sarah Ochi received a boatload of online criticism for her op-ed. Quote, ugh, SJWs are so humorless that they have to take a stupid funny meme and turn it into a meta-narrative about white privilege. <laughs> Real clear politics president Tom Bevan wrote on Twitter. <laughs> quote, what a stupid, this is a quote, what a stupid and appalling article, all based upon how Bernie is dressed. As stupid and gross as it is, it represents a large and growing sector of left liberal thought. Journalist uh, Glenn Greenwald wrote on Twitter. Quote, wait, so Bernie has now been attacked for being too fancy and not fancy enough, all while wearing the exact, exact same nondescript winter coat? <laughs> the Hills Rising host Crystal Ball wrote on Twitter. Uh, quote, Ingrid uh, Sarah Ochi in Vermont, this is actually dress attire. <laughs> Leave Vermont and Ver- Bernie alone. Lisa Langsdorf of Good Eye PR wrote on Twitter. <laughs> Sanders dropped out of the 2020 pres- uh, Democratic presidential primary, which Biden eventually won. So uh, we all love the Bernie memes. It's like, it doesn't matter what, par- what political party you are. It's like, you love the Bernie memes. And, you know, it's, and it just, you know, it just leave it to some teacher from San Francisco who went to UC Berkeley to find white male privilege in that. And say, everybody who laughs, trying to make everybody who ever laughed at a Bernie meme feel guilty and racist. You know, they're going out of their way to make it that. 
really reaching logistically to try to make it seem like there's some sort of racism or a privilege at play. All right? You're just mad that you didn't make that joke. That you didn't make that joke. And that's what, that's what the, all this is. That's what a lot of this cancel culture is. It's jealousy. Jealousy that you don't have the freedom to speak your mind like someone like I do. I does. I, I can. <laughs> Last story here. Uh, investor puts GameStop gains to good use at a Texas children's hospital. An anonymous investor who profited off GameStop's unprecedented stock surge decided to put some of his earnings towards a good cause. The Good Samaritan, who wishes to keep his identity private, donated 10 Nintendo Switches and 10 games to children at Medical City Children's Hospital in Dallas, Texas, a spokesperson for the hospital told Fox News. Because of the kind gesture last Thursday, each pediatric unit was able to get its hands on its own device and game. Quote, our our child life specialists use a variety of tools to help our pediatric patients uh, cope and heal in the face of a critical illness. Medical City Children's Hospital CEO Jessica O'Neill told Fox News. These new gaming systems will no doubt provide entertainment for our patients and help uh, with the healing process during this challenging time, O'Neill said. Share prices of GameStop Corp spiked last week after online Reddit, Reddit, Reddit forum. Wall Street, bets, uh, Wall Street bets spurred smaller and first-time investors to pile into certain, certain stocks. Uh, shares of GameStop, went, in particular, went from $17.08 a few weeks ago upwards of $320 as of Friday morning. This ultimately, this ultimately hurting market short sellers gave way for more recent investor, investors to make quite a hefty profit. Thursday's donations were a result of such gains, according to KNSD News. The investor reportedly wanted to give back in a way that was equally equally hilarious to how they earned the money in the first place. <laughs> Excuse me. The games are reportedly purchased from the GameStop locations in the area. <laughs> Did he keep some of the stock? <laughs> uh, quote, you, uh, some of my GME attendees to buy Nintendo Switches from GameStop, then donated them to a children's hospital, the investor wrote on Reddit. So, you know, you may be fighting off that depression like me, but, you know, it's, it's stuff like this you got to cling to and remember and help you get through the days. Like, you know, <clears throat> it's a silly world we live in. It's a clown world that we live in. And, you know, uh, uh, you know crazy shit's going to keep on happening. It's going to keep on happening. And uh, the best you could do is take what you can and do what you can with it. You do the right things for the right reasons, and it's like, and uh, the windfalls that befall you, or the good investments you make, they will eventually pay off, even if it's something as silly as a GameStop or providing uh, kids in a pediatric unit a little entertainment. You've been in hospitals; you know how boring they are. Oh my God! Thank you. I, I, every single time I've ever been to a hospital, I was like, I wish I had a Nintendo Switch. <laughs> Whether I'm a patient or I'm just there visiting somebody, I was like, damn, I wish I had a Nintendo Switch. So. You can make the best of any bad situation, if you like. So yeah, this has been the end of the show. It's been a, it's been a short one, but I don't mind, and you don't mind. And I want to remind you, go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio, become a patron, or go to uh, use Cash App to send me money through Cash App uh, using hashtag shockmonkeyradio, all one word. And remember, $1 gets you one entry in a drawing for a comic book uh, at the end of the month. I think I'll do that at the end of every month. And uh, next week, I'll bring in a comic book to, uh, to show what I might be raffling away. So, yeah, this has been Shock Monkey Radio. I am your host, The Madman, and I love you.